as Samuel David. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Father, more than ever, by the power of the Holy Ghost, Lord, apply your word in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. David pens this psalm, Psalm 56. David finds himself in a place where he's running from his enemies. His enemies are on his left. His enemies are on his right. They're in front of him and they're behind him. David, the champion of Israel. David, the one that the women come out to sing and to clap and to cheer. David, the one who could provoke the jealousy of a king. David, the one who could put the fear into the heart of his enemies. And all of a sudden we find the once great David in a situation that no one could ever believe. His own family would have denied the reports. His own bosses would have said, no, this could not be David. The David who slew Goliath. The David who says, I come against you in the name of the Lord. The David who stood against that Philistine and says, you will not mock my God. And here we find David in the land of Gath. David who's now sitting in the company of his enemies looking for refuge. You see, what happens in life when we take our eyes off God, we start to set our eyes on the things round about. We start to listen to ungodly, unwise advice. We start to listen to practitioners who do not fear God. We start to listen to government advisors who do not fear God. And we start to follow in their footsteps. And David started to take his eyes off God and finds himself in the land of Gath, in the enemies of God. Listen, David actually does something that I can't believe. David runs to the very place that he fears the most for refuge, to get away from Saul, to get away from the the man that David once loved and still to a point did. But here David finds himself in a place and he's asking himself the question, how am I finding myself here? Do you ever ask yourself that? How have I found myself in this situation? How have I found myself in this circumstance? There's people this morning sitting asking God that question at home. Why am I in this situation? How have I come to find myself here? There's families this morning with more questions than answers. And this morning, the question on so many lips is, where do we go now? What do we do next? So many people, they're they're, they're struggling. They're struggling whether it be in their family's health, whether it be in their family's finances, whether it be in their family's future, whether it be what do we do next to bring our child up in the way of the Lord. There's so many questions and there's so much fear instilled in the hearts of people. And they don't know where to turn and they don't know where to go. Well, here's good news for you this morning. David turns and he goes on to say, I'll go to the word of God. You see, Psalm 56 starts, if you ever read in Hayden, where it says to the chief musician upon Jonathan. And then it goes on to say, Mechatam of David. In the Hebrew, do you know what that means? It's where David says, I have a gold nugget for you. It actually means gold nugget of David. And you know, 
You can only take advice from someone who knows what they're talking about. Isn't that the truth? Imagine trying to take advice from someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. I was speaking to somebody yesterday and I says, my words are cheap and I'll not offer them to you in your situation. They had a situation that I could not relate to. They had a situation that I could not even try to parallel on any of my current situations. So the only thing I could say to them is, my words would be cheap, but know this, you're on my heart. That was the only advice, that was the only thing I could help them with. But there's people... And you know they've been through the, 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 the fires. There's people and you know they've been through the trials. There's some people and you just know when they speak to you, they're speaking out of wisdom, they're speaking out of knowledge. And it's almost like you're standing in the presence of the Lord while they instill their wisdom into your life. Well, David turns around at the start of the psalm and he says, here's a gold nugget. Or some historians would even say in the Hebrew, it means this. A secret to help you in hard times. David knew that maybe a few thousand years later through the infallible word of God, someday somebody in Guildford may need to hear a secret from God. Somebody facing a situation, somebody listening online, someone with a situation in their home right now and they don't know what to do. Well, listen to this. David says, what time I am afraid. I hope this pulpit doesn't creak like us in Ken Davison. <laughs> you may get this pulpit reinforced. Praise God. <laughs> what time I am afraid, I will trust in him. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is the chapter of time. It speaks about a time to laugh. It speaks about a time to cry. It speaks about a time to mourn. It speaks about a time to plant. A time to pluck up. You see, what we must realize, and David says it in Psalm 31 in the verse 15, my time is in his hands. I want to tell you this morning, no matter what they say, Jesus has never lost control. I want to tell you this morning, no matter what happens later on this day, Jesus still has not lost control. I want to tell you, whatever happens next week, Jesus is still on the throne. And you know what? Jesus is coming again for his church. And he's coming for a glorious church. And he's coming for a redeemed people. And he's coming to take his people, to take his bride, and to restore them unto himself. You know, I was delighted when we were talking about the cross this morning. And Brother Billy said about the remission of sins. Do you see in the Greek New Testament that word for remission? Do you know what that actually means? It actually means where all the evidence, everything that was stacked against you, every allegation, everything, even whether it be true or not, when Christ shed his blood upon the cross for the remission of sins, it was all done away with and could never be held against you ever again. Isn't that lovely this morning? And you know, we're in here this morning and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I want to tell you this morning, you're free. Christ has set the captive free. He came to give sight to the blind. Why am I saying this this morning? Because, child of God, if you're going to do anything, here's what I want to encourage you to do, to set your eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the beginning and the end. That's why he says, I am the Alpha, and I am the Omega. I am the beginning. But praise God, he is your end. 
And the Lord says through Jeremiah, I have a plan for your life. Thank God he has a plan for every one of us. But do you know what he says? To give you an established end. To give you an end. God wants to give every one of you a testimony. He wants to give every one of you an established end. Why? Because child of God, no matter what's happened in the middle, no matter what's happened at the start, the Lord wants to give you an end that will leave a testimony for people to talk about. The Lord wants to give you, listen, as Andrew said earlier about Jennifer McClatchy, a testimony. I was reading the tributes to her yesterday, and every one of them was, she was a woman of prayer. You see, it says they overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Child of God, get a testimony. Get a testimony for the Lord. Get a testimony where you can turn around and say, the Lord done this in my life. I remember on such and such a morning or such and such a night on such and such a day where the Lord intervened into my life and the Lord done something wonderful. And if you don't have that, go and get up. Go and get an encounter with God. I sat under Pastor McConnell. Ken Davison sat under Pastor McConnell. And never did he fail to keep reminding us, get an experience with God. Get an encounter with God. Why do you think there's over 60 pastors come out from under James McConnell's ministry? Because he encouraged the young men to go and have an encounter with God. He put a hunger in them to go and have an encounter with God. And he put a hunger in them to go and seek the Lord's face. And when they went and got a hunger and they went and got a relationship with God, well, guess what happens? All of a sudden they start to go out and they start to preach and they start to proclaim the gospel. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do this morning. Take your eyes off everything around you and set your eyes on Jesus Christ this morning. I say that as a way of introduction, but don't worry. I'll not be keeping you too late today. David says, what time I am afraid. Do you know what's one of the hardest things in the Christian church? We think fear is failure. We think fear is failure. We're encouraged not to fear. And that's right in itself. But I'm not going to encourage you not to fear. Because I'll tell you what happens when you preach like that. Every one of us experience fear in our lives. Whether it be the fear of failure. Whether it be the fear of losing our home or losing our family or losing our marriage or losing something. We fear those things. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. But I sit in front of a lot of people and they have fears. And one of the problems is they don't know how to handle fear. They don't know what to do with fear. But you see, here's a wonderful example. David says, what time I am afraid. David shows that he experiences fear. David shows that he experiences times when he's afraid. And here's what he says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in the Lord. In God, I will praise his name. In God, I will praise his word. Christian, can I ask you something? Are you reading the word of God? Are you reading the word of God? Where does the word of God fit into your life? Now that's a challenge to me. Do you see why I'm saying that? I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Because so often as a pastor, do you know what pastors find themselves doing? Reading the word of God, not for themselves, but for everybody else. Reading the word of God for their next message. Reading the word of God for their next sermon. But that's no good to Tom Quinn. 
And with the greatest respect, if you aren't reading the word of God for you and for your life, it's no good to you because it says, this is the bread of life. Are you eating of the bread of life? Now, let me give you a quick, and this is what I say to folks, you know what's one of the biggest problems in the church today? Everybody thinks they need to read the Bible 20 times before the day. That's the worst thing you could do. Because if I was to advise you, do you know if you read the Bible properly, you'll have a proper prayer life? I'm actually going off track, but I feel the Lord's leading me in this. I want to ask you something. If I was to phone you every day and rhyme off the same phone call every day and say the same thing every day and then say, I love you, I'll see you, I'll talk to you tomorrow, boom. Do you know what you'd stop doing? You'd stop wanting to hear my phone calls. And see, when we come to the Lord, even the Lord says, he says to the Pharisees, he says, the Lord doesn't want your feigned repetitions. That doesn't mean that we don't pray for our loved ones, and that doesn't mean that we don't come and petition them. But child of God, have you got a proper word and prayer life? Can I tell you something? You see so many times, I would only maybe read one verse. Why do I do that? Because let me explain to you, and I do this often. Let's go to Psalm, just, I'm jumping this out, Psalm 57 and the verse 7. Just looking across at it. This is a Psalm of David. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed and I will sing and give praise. Do you know I would stop at that? And I would challenge myself in that. Do you know what I would ask myself by just reading that? Where is your heart, Tom? Is it fixed on God? Is it fixed on your job? Is it fixed on a nice house? If any of you know me, I love farming and I love cows. And I don't drive up a country road and I'm looking at cows. I love cows. And do you know what? If I ever was rich, you wouldn't see me because Tom would be running around bad cows. The Lord has kept money off Tom because he knows Tom would be bad with money because Tom would go and buy loads of cows and get himself into more trouble. I love cows. Now, here's what I'm saying. See, when I read verses like that, I'll ask myself, where is your heart, Tom? And do you know nine times out of ten, my heart's not in God? I'm being honest with you this morning. But because I allow myself to read the Word of God and allow myself to see it in the Word of God, I then am allowed to ask myself the question, Tom, where is your heart fixed? Now, here's how you get a prayer life. Read the Word of God. Listen to this. And my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. I'll then turn around and I'll pray, Lord, I want to fix my heart in you. Help me to fix my heart in you. Lord, would you show me the way to go? Lord, if there's things that I've fixed my heart on that I shouldn't have fixed my heart on, would you help me to remove them? Will you help me to do? And do you know what I ask the Lord to do? Anytime I ever ask the Lord to remove something, I always say, Lord, would you protect me and would you protect them? Because sometimes when you get things removed out of your life, the Lord will remove people. And I don't want them getting hurt. And I don't want getting hurt. And I'm wise to ask the Lord, protect them and protect me. And Lord, may your will be done. You see, that's how you get a prayer life. With a grace of respect, if you've been praying the same prayer for the last 10, 15, 20 years or whatever, with a grace of respect, that prayer is, where is it going to take you? How is that applicable to your life? How is reading the Bible 20 times and not applying the word to your life? How is that going to change your life? You see, whenever you go out for a meal, we, uh, I was up in Port Rush, and uh, 
as you all know, uh, my body's a temple, so I don't eat that much. And uh, this pulp is only creaking because uh, it must be Ken's broke it. And that's why I'm standing back here now. But uh, <laughs> we were down in Portrush, and I eat a bit too much. Not normal for me to do it. And I couldn't get back to lay down. And I was in pain. And I was in agony and the moans and the groans. And I thought a cup of tea would help me and it didn't. And I went out and went out with the dog and walked the dog and I'd done everything. And I was in pain. You know, Christians, so often when we try to, to overdose in the word of God, it'll actually cause more trouble than good. You see, it tells you. It's the word that killeth and the spirit giveth life. You see, this word is used by evil men. This word is used. This word has been used. They had me on the known show away years ago. They don't have me on anymore. But this was actually the last time they had me on. And uh, they, they were talking about uh, this boy thought he would take a dig at me. And he says, I use Christians in the Crusades. He says, you're 100% right. He says, you're 100% right. He says, I don't agree. Because I tell you why I don't agree. He says, it was fought in the name of God, but was never fought in the spirit of God. You see, this word has been used to kill millions of people through history. But when this word is used with the spirit of God, it brings life. And evil men have used the word of God. And evil men still today are using the word of God. But when there's the spirit of God, there's life, child of God. And why am I saying all this this morning? You are at a time where you need to get into the word. And if you go home today or go home tomorrow, wherever you be in your own private time, even if you sit down and say, right, Lord, I'm going to chew on one verse. Because you don't go out and buy a big sunblast loaf and eat the whole loaf, do you? Do it, Jesus. We need a prayer for you. There's some of them sitting here to do. Well, if you're anything like me, you'll only eat one or two slices at the most. And that, that, don't, don't judge me. I only eat one or two slices at a time. <laughs> but here's the thing. You don't eat the whole loaf because the whole loaf will make you sick. But you enjoy it. I love a cup on a Sunday after preaching, Sunday night. I love going home. Do you know what I love? A cup of tea, a real hot cup of tea and a couple of slices of toast. Do you know what? They satisfy me. They replenish me. They encourage me. And they build me up. And child of God, what I'm here to do this morning, and I believe it's from the Lord, there's some of you need encouraging and you need building up. There's people listening to me this morning and you need encouraging and you need building up. And with the greatest respect, your encouragement and your building up is going to come from the word of the Lord. Listen again to what King David says in verse chapter 4, verse 4 of chapter 56. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. David realized when he found himself in this situation, he needed to return to the word of God. And if we are to do anything as a land and as a people and the children of God, get back to the word of God. See, the word of God is not popular anymore. They're looking to do away with the word of God in Port Stewart. The, the, the word of God's painted on the walls, been there for 50 years. They don't want it anymore. They want to eradicate it. They want to eradicate God from your memory. You see, here's what you must understand. 
And child of God, there's a wicked war going on out there for your soul. For the souls of your children, for the souls of your family. Listen, I this has broke my heart this week. I stood about seven weeks ago, standing talking to a man as healthy as most of us. And the Spirit of God kept sending me, speak them about me. And we were standing and there was girls walking past me. I was like, oh, look at her, look at her. And, and you know where you find yourself, you can't and you don't want, because you're like, how am I going to talk to him about the Lord? And he's talking about women. And it was so heavy on me to get talking to him. And do you know what I was wanting to do? I said, I ain't going to see him again. The next time I see him, I'm going to definitely get talking to him about the Lord. He was buried yesterday. I don't say this, and I know this to be true. Not only will he stand before the Lord, I will stand before the Lord for that. Because Christians, we will not stand and be judged on our sins. We will be judged on what we didn't do. And I had a duty from God to speak to him, and I didn't. I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts against me are evil. You know, child of God, this is an evil old world. It's a hard old world. And so many of us find ourselves in a situation we don't know how to get out of. But I want to tell you this morning that Jesus loves you. He loves you with an everlasting heart. He loves you with a love that knows no beginning. And he loves you with a love that knows end. He loves you with an unconditional love. I thank God for unconditional love. I thank God that his love is unconditional. Because see if his love was conditional this morning, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. See if my Lord's love is conditional, I am in trouble. If his love is conditioned upon me, I'm in trouble. But if his love is conditioned upon an everlasting covenant that was made with the Father in eternity, I thank God for the conventional, unconditional love of my Lord and Savior. Because he can love Tom Quinn when Tom Quinn can't even love himself. He can love Tom Quinn when Tom Quinn used to stand in front of a mirror and Tom Quinn used to hate himself so much Tom Quinn thought, how could I kill myself? Used to take drugs and drinks to numb it. And it would take more drugs to numb the drug problems, messing with your head, doing all sorts of things. And one day the Lord intervened in my life and the Lord showed me a love that I'd never seen before. A love that changed my life. A love that took this captive and set him free. And you may be feeling this morning that the Lord doesn't see you and the Lord doesn't hear you. 
let me tell you in verse 8 in closing, thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. Thank God Jesus is for you this morning. Now here's the interesting thing. Have you ever thought to yourself what victory in Jesus must look like? What must an answer from God look like? Whenever we think of victory in Christ, we think of just walking on clouds and no more problems and no more worries. Do you know where the Lord took David from here? He took him out of Gath. Where did the Lord bring David to next? Where was God's answer in prayer? The cave of Adullam. Who would ever think a lonely, cold, wet cave away up on a mountain? Who would ever believe that that's an answer from God? Who would ever come to believe that when David cried on to the Lord to save him out of the hand of his enemies, that the Lord would take him and bring him into a cave? I'll tell you why the Lord answered the prayer. And this is why I'm saying it this morning. See, for every one of you here this morning, the Lord wants you to come aside onto him. The Lord wants you to have that moment with him. Separate yourself onto him. If you are to have true victory in your life, if you're to have true victory in your family, the Lord wants you to come aside, to come out of all the things that are in your head, to come out of all the things that are distracting you. And the Lord says, okay, David, you want victory? You want an answer from God? Come to the cave of Adullam. Come to the place where I'll separate you onto me. The place that looks like loss to everybody else. The place that looks like defeat to everybody else. The place that looks like there's no way that's God there. Christian, I'm here to tell you this morning. You may feel segregated. You may feel misunderstood. You may feel that nobody really understands you. I'm here to tell you this morning. The Lord's trying to call you on to himself. The Lord's trying to separate you onto yourself. Things that are happening around you. Things that are happening in this church. Things that are happening in our land. It's the Lord saying, come on to me all your weak and heavy laden and I'll give you the rest. You don't need to worry about what these boys are doing and what they're thinking. Come to me. Come to me. Come to the cave of Adullam. Come to that place where they'll laugh at you for going to. Come to that place where they'll judge you for coming to. Come to that place that you can meet with me, but nobody will ever understand. And this morning while we sit here, and you maybe got more questions and answers, I believe the Lord is calling us people. I believe the Lord's separating us people. I believe he's preparing a place for you. I believe that the Lord has a place prepared for every one of you here this morning. Everybody listening online. He has a place prepared for you to come and sit with him and sup with him and dine with him. Revelation, when the Lord speaks to the church and says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Preachers and Christians use that as an appeal to the unsaved. It's not. It's to the church of God. The book of Revelation is to the churches. He's standing at the door of Christians. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will answer to me, I will come in and sup with him. The Lord does not kick doors open. If you do not open the door to the Lord this morning, he won't open it for you. 
And this morning as believers, I challenge Tom, I challenge you, I challenge everyone who's listening. Open the door to them this morning and say, Lord, come into me. Come in and dine with me. Come in and sup with me. Come in and apply your word to me. You see, Christian, David's answer wasn't what most people would say is an answer from God. Is it? Surely if you were to turn around and say David got his answer from God, he wouldn't be going from Gath to the cave of Adullam. He would be going up into Jerusalem to take the throne. Surely you would say that's the answer from God. Let me ask you something. When the Lord called Moses on his last call, it says that Moses was in the back end of the desert. Moses was in the place that no man had ever been before. Moses was actually in a place that nobody could survive in. He was in the back end of the back end of the back end of the desert. He was in no man's land. 80 years of age. Moses is a 40-year-old chosen pharaoh. A 40-year-old ambassador for Egypt could so easily have led the house of Israel. The Hebrews could so easily have led them as a, as a governor and established a kingdom for the people of Israel. He had contacts all over the world. He was trained in government. He was trained in philosophy. He was trained in all the academics that was needed for to be a leader. Surely people would say, this is man. Oh my goodness, Moses, what a leader. He's surely the man of God. 40 years of age, Moses, Moses messes up. Is there anybody here and you've messed up? Is there anybody here and you think you've had your last chance? Moses for 40 years wandered the desert. 40 years. And he finds himself in the back end of the back end of the back end of the desert. And at the age of 80, God meets with Moses. And he meets with him in a place that's no man's land. Here's why I'm saying this. Do you see the place that God met with Moses? Guess what that became the place where Moses brought the Hebrews to? You see, you can only take people where you have been yourself. And God was allowing Moses to go through all these things so that he could lead 1.2 million people into a place that no one had ever been before and keep them there for 40 years. There's a lot of people out there and they're needing saving. There's a lot of people out there and they're lost. And you're maybe asking this morning where your life's going. I want to tell you, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Whatever you're going through, whatever you've had, whatever is going on in your life right now, be like the young Joseph who stood before his brothers after all the years of turmoil and said, Satan meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Turn your mourning into laughter. Turn your tears into joy. Weeping endures for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. There's joy coming for CET. There's joy coming for every one of your families. 
All you have to do is keep your eyes on Jesus. All you have to do is keep believing. All you have to do is keep going on, chugging on and chugging on and chugging on. I'm not going to chug too much in this pulpit or I'll be going down through this pulpit. But keep going and keep going and keep going. And listen, though the world persecute you, though the world turn on you, though the world laugh at you, though the world condemn you, Jesus says they'll do all this because they've done it to me. Do you know why they've done it to me? Because they hate me. But thank God when the world persecutes you. Do you know why the world persecutes you? Because they see Jesus in you. Thank God that they see something of Jesus in you enough to hate you. But listen, joy is coming. Joy is coming. This life is only temporary. This is only a training ground for the life that is to come. Don't be putting all your eggs in this basket. For this basket's going to get broken up. Whenever the king of kings breaks the clouds, everything will be tried with fire. Everything will be examined by fire. Peter tells us this. And all your works will be tried by fire. Though they be wood, hay, stubble, silver or gold. Everything you do is going to be tried by the fire of a holy God. An all-consuming fire. In his presence, there's no shadows. There's no escape. Don't be so focused in this world that you miss the opportunity to stand before your Lord and Savior as we've sang this morning. I lay down my crowns. Do you know when they were singing that, I lay down my crowns, I thought of Jackie. I says to myself, she's laid down her crowns this morning. She's stand before her Lord. She's stand before her Savior. And Christian... There's a world going out to a lost eternity. There's people this morning who need to hear about Jesus. Will you allow your moment of fears? Will you allow your moments of failure? And will you turn them into something of a testimony for God? Will you allow... Listen... So often life looks like a failure, doesn't it? So often, listen, we look at situations and they look like there's no hope. We look at situations and we look like there's no way out. I'm going to say it and I want you to say it with me. If God be for us, then who can be against us? Say that with me. If God be for us, then who can be against us? Say it again. If God be for us, then who can be against us? No one can stand against our Lord and Savior. No one. Death couldn't stand before him. The grave can never stand before him. No one can stand before my Lord and Savior. Greater is he that is in Tom Quinn than he that is in the world. Say that with me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You go out today, and if you don't know anything else to say, just keep saying it. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Have you ever had moments where you don't even know how to pray? Have you ever had a moment so God-awful that you can't even find the words? It says a precious name, or a good name is as precious ointment poured forth. Just say, Jesus. 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
a, see, a good name is as precious ointment poured forth. When do you use ointment? When you're hurting, when you've burnt yourself, when you've cut yourself. Ointment has healing on it. A good name is as precious ointment. There's no name like the name of Jesus. Declare the name of Jesus over your family. Declare the name of Jesus over this land. Declare the name of Jesus over this church. Declare the name of Jesus over her all. Just Jesus. 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 And if you're in Tesco's, Jesus. Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. In what time I am afraid, I will trust in him. Bless you.